0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Got Case and Wanderlust podcast, a show dedicated to all things travel. I'm your host, Lydia, and on this episode, you'll hear a conversation between me and another fellow traveler that will hopefully inspire you for your next travel adventure. If you enjoy listening, consider following the show and giving it a rating on Spotify, or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a quick review. It would mean so much to me. All right. Thank you so much for being here today. So hello everyone, welcome to the Got a Case of Wanderlust podcast, here with another special guest today. Her name is Erin Hines, and she is a Canadian travel writer of Pina Travels and the host of the podcast, Alpaca of My Bags, who tackles pretty big issues within tourism and emphasizes ethical traveling. I think your work illuminates some very meaningful topics in traveling that I'm so grateful you took the time out of your day to talk about today. So, yeah, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you, Lydia. Me as well. My first question I always like to start out with is what sparked your wanderlust for travel?
1: Ooh, okay. It's always hard to think of like the real origin story, but it's easy for me because it started with my parents who were big travelers until they had kids. Um, Before they started having kids, they traveled, I think for a couple months together around the world. Um, And then as I was growing up, we didn't have enough money for them to take us abroad. We would just do trips around our own province here in Ontario. But they would always talk about the places that they had traveled to around the world. And especially my mom just always had these stories to share with us. And so I just grew up um, with a sort of curiosity that was definitely instilled in me by them. And my mom would like pull out photo albums and stuff and just I would see these pictures of the world and just feel so curious about it. Um, and then they were just like very supportive. I think because they traveled, they knew that it would be a good thing for me. So when I was nineteen, they encouraged me to save up all the money I was making working at a restaurant and go on my first trip to Europe, um, where I traveled to. I think the first country I did on my own was Italy, and then after that, the floodgates opened. I did that first Euro trip, as I called it, and then. I was obsessed and I saved all the money I could and traveled as much as I could um, ever since then.
0: Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. I feel like Europe is a good entryway into uh, getting your taste buds like thirsty for more traveling. Definitely. Yeah. So I love that now you're pretty well traveled that you get to tackle some more serious topics such as. you know, responsible budget traveling, second city tourism, dark tourism, and I definitely want to dive into that today. Um, So the first one is traveling more ethically. When did this way of travel become of interest to you?
1: Man, I mean, sorry, I'll just back up. Yeah, you know, I think in my early days of travel, I definitely traveled in an unethical way. And I think it was because I was ignorant. Um, And it just wasn't something I thought about as I got older. I definitely like found the framework more and more to think about the impact that my travels were having on other people and the world. Um, You know, it's just like a maturity thing in some ways, I think. And there also just weren't as many resources around at the time. Like when I first started traveling, I didn't carry a laptop with me or a phone with me. All I had was a guidebook. And so my resources were less like, I don't remember ethical travel or responsible travel being terms that I even knew of when I first started backpacking at 19. And then as I got older, I just became more interested, I would say in social issues, Um, I went to school and studied like feminist film. And because I was learning about these things, I started to like think about them in the context of travel. And I would say that's when I started thinking more deeply about what it meant to travel the world, like the, the power imbalances that are involved in tourism um, and the impact that travelers have on communities. And then, yeah, it just started to grow from there. And over time, like I'm still learning. I'm learning every day about this. Every trip I go on, I learn something new, um, especially in making my podcast, I'll pack my bags. I'm constantly diving into issues that I haven't thought about before. Um, so yeah, I think it's just ongoing learning
0: yeah tourism is just such a huge industry right like it's such a big idea and um topic that it's so easy to ignore what's going on behind the scenes and just go about your vacations as you normally would but Mm -hmm. i i really admire how you um Choose to dive deeper in in your in the work that you do, and your podcast dives into all these topics. It's I'll pack up my bags again. It's amazing. Which, by the way, how did you come up with that name?
1: (laughs) People ask me this all the time, and I it's I don't have a good story for it. I literally was just like, you know what? I need to name it something fun because sometimes we're going to talk about difficult things, and I want. I want people to be excited by the show. So I just wanted it to be a pun. And that was the best pun I could think of. But it's really taken off and people always comment on that name. So I'm glad people like it. It's great.
0: I think it's super
1: cute. Um, But yeah, one of the topics you
0: do um, discuss is travel privileges. So can you talk about these privileges and why we should be mindful of them as as travelers?
1: yeah i mean i think like especially in recent years more and more people have been talking about what privilege it is, how it factors into their life um and yeah i think it just boils to down to the fact that not everyone has the same access to travel um so for example i think like using myself as an example is a good good way to explain it i definitely have financial privilege um which has been fed into by many different things by the fact that i got To have an education which led to a good paying job which helps finance my travels Um, that's a privilege that not everyone is born into or everyone has access to Um, there's also other privileges related to race to your gender to your sexuality to your mobility and all those things will factor into how easy it is for you to travel the world Um, and i think it's important to acknowledge this because a lot of people think of travel as just like I think for a lot of people, it isn't the luxury that it really is. I think people feel that like everyone has access to this and therefore it's not worth talking about how privilege factors into it. Um, when in reality, like many people on this planet will never have that luxury or access to travel. Um, and I think that's something worth dissecting and paying attention to, um, not just when you travel yourself, but when you talk about travel with other people, this is why I sometimes get really frustrated with the budget travel community because like. Sometimes that community you see you see travel framed as like something that everyone can do. You just have to work hard enough for it. And while that's true to some degree, I definitely worked like more than I needed to when I was younger to make travel accessible to me. Um, in some cases people are they're just working to pay their bills. Like travel is is an extra that really a lot of people, we'll never be able to financially access. And so, yeah, I sometimes have a gripe with the budget travel community just for that. Cause it's like, we need to reframe the discussion and acknowledge that like it actually is a luxury to be able to travel. So yeah, that's my spiel on that.
0: Yeah. It's something to be so grateful for, to be able to see parts of the world that most people can't see in their lifetime. and in the past have never been able to to the extent that we are today so i definitely agree with that point travel is a privilege and and yeah something to be mindful of um budget travel i definitely want to talk about responsible budget traveling because um before i listened to your podcast it never really occurred to me that budget travel can be detrimental just like inherently in the way you go about it um And it's interesting because I think budget travel can make things, travel specifically, more accessible Mm -hmm. to people who don't necessarily think they can. So it's definitely an amazing thing that I'm I'm glad that people are talking about. But it's also super important to talk about how do we go about it sustainably. So can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's a tough one because you're right. Budget travel is such an important part of making travel accessible, especially to younger people that don't have the means quite yet. Um, for example, when I was younger especially, like I only ever stayed in hostel dorms because that's what I could afford. I couldn't afford to stay in a hotel. Um, so yeah, I think it's important to strike a balance of acknowledging that like, yes, it's an important part of the industry, um, but it does have the potential to go too far. Um, And, but what I mean by that is that budget travel can sometimes lead people to take advantage of communities, especially communities abroad. I think a good example is someone I met once in Vietnam. Um, It was this guy who had told me that he only had a few hundred dollars to his name, um, and he was meant to be traveling for several weeks around Vietnam, and he was gonna travel around on a bicycle, just cycling from place to place. And he fully admitted to me that he didn't have enough money to do this so he was quote unquote on a very tight budget um and i asked him i was like well how do you plan to like finish this trip if you don't have enough money like shouldn't you use the last of your funds maybe to like fly home or to like find somewhere where you can get like a temporary job and he told me oh no i don't need to do that because along the way like vietnamese people will help me out and he explained to me that like he was just asking people along the way to give him somewhere to stay to feed him and etc and i mean it's tough because there's something beautiful about that like he was finding a way to really engage with local communities but he was also taking advantage of people who have far less means than he does and it doesn't provide anything for those people in those communities um, as a tourist, like one of the only things that we can do really well for the communities we visit is infuse them economically with our dollars and he was doing the opposite of that. He was just taking from them um, so yeah it kind of rubbed me the wrong way and I think I think that's a good example of how budget tourism can go too far. Um, the other like very common thing that I see is people that over barter for things so if you're bartering is very common in countries abroad um, but if you're constantly in arguments with people over prices and constantly trying to barter to the lowest possible price um, for an item that like as a Westerner with Western economic means is already probably quite cheap. Um, it's just like going into the territory of taking advantage of, of people in communities outside of your own.
0: Hmm. Yeah, those are two super good points. Um, I definitely Would love to hear your insight about hostels because hostels are something I'm super passionate about. Like I love hostels, but do you have any like, or do you know any research about the bad parts of hostels, like the how it could be unsustainable, maybe, or if there are better alternatives to staying in hostels?
1: Yeah, I mean, I love hostels too. I still stay in them. I was just in a hostel a couple weeks ago in Dublin. Um, I love staying in hostels. I think they're great because it just creates a social environment where you can get to know other travelers, which is something I love about travel, especially when I'm solo. Um, And it it makes travel more accessible for me. Like, even though I I have better means now than I did when I was in my earliest 20s, I still, I want to do so much traveling that I'm still (laughs) always trying to reduce the cost wherever I can. And hostels are an easy way to do that. Um, Even my partner and I, when we travel together, we still book dorm rooms pretty often because it's just an easy way to cut down on your daily cost. Um, Yeah. And I would say in terms of like responsibility, I think the same rule applies everywhere, which is your best bet is always to book into somewhere that is owned and operated by local people. Um, And that way, you know that the people in that local community that you're visiting are benefiting from the money that you're spending on your stay. Um, So I would stay away from like the big chain hostels. There are a couple of them, especially in Europe, um, also in Central America. There's a few popular chains. Um, I would stay away from the chains and try to go for the smaller, more locally owned places. And you can usually figure this out pretty easily. Like I just dig around on the website a little bit. Um, I'll look at their Instagram. I'll just try to like do some light digging to get a sense. Um, But I would say the main rule of thumb with hostels is just stay away from the chain hostels. Um, And in general, I find the non-chain hostels are more fun too, so there's that benefit as well.
0: Okay, good to know. So another topic that I didn't hear before, um, I found your page is second city tourism. So why should we consider this form of travel?
1: Yeah, so second-city tourism is just a fun little phrase I like to tell people when talking about over-tourism. So over-tourism is the concept of when tourism starts to take away from communities rather than give. So obviously there's lots of benefits to tourism, um, but it can also spill over into territory where it's causing harm. Um, So a lot of European cities have been struggling with this, especially in recent years. Um, They're just too overcrowded. Uh, The cities are becoming gentrified. Local people are becoming frustrated with life there because there's just too many tourists. Um, So second city travel is something you can do to just reduce your impact as a tourist if you're traveling to a place that's more popular. Um, So it's about traveling beyond tourism hotspots. So how I would do it, for example, is if you're going to Amsterdam, which is a very popular city um, and has suffered with over-tourism, there's some literature about this online, about what they're trying to do to to reduce the impact of over-tourism. If you want to go to Amsterdam, it's understandable. These places become popular for a reason. Um, But the way that you can sort of counter the impact is by going to a second destination that is less Uh, popular or less known. So for example, you could go from Amsterdam to another city like Leiden or Groningen in the north, um, which tend to see less tourists, and then spend some time there. And not only does this have the benefit of like you getting to see more of life in the Netherlands, um, but it also means your tourism dollars spread beyond that sort of central hotspot um, and benefit more businesses and people throughout the country.
0: Yeah, I think that's a super cool idea and definitely could mitigate this huge problem of Mm over-tourism.
1: And, you know, like this is like I talk about this all the time. This is in my early days of backpacking was something I did not do. And I honestly regret it now because like when I was backpacking around Europe, it was very normalized to just go, okay, like three days in Amsterdam and then three days in Brussels and then three days in the next city. That was sort of what everyone did. But now looking back on it, I think like I was zipping from country to country and it was so easy because you could just hop on a train and be in another country in another city in a few hours. But realistically, I think I would have had a more meaningful experience if I had spent like longer in each country and went to more places there um, and lesser known places there. So I just got a more well-rounded experience of that country.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you. I I did a backpacking trip in Europe myself, and I definitely just visited the main cities because, you know, I feel like when you're new to travel, you want to hit up the bucket list destinations. So that mm-hmm. was kind of my mindset. But I think if I were to do it again, I'd definitely reconsider my approach and my mindset when it comes to um, Europe travel. And when I go back, I definitely like to hit up the smaller cities and get a more authentic cultural experience. So when you travel now, what kind of things do you look for when searching out a new destination? And like, how do you plan your itinerary now?
1: I would say the biggest thing is research. Um, This is also just such a common mindset. You see sometimes online people who are like, oh, I don't like to research. I like to just show up in a place and like go day by day and figure things out as I go. And I definitely used to be that person, especially like, I spent like nine months backpacking around Europe and that was very much how I did it. Um, But nowadays I find like I just have a more fulfilling experience if I do research and do some planning. Um, I am not an over planner. I don't plan out every day, hour by hour. I know some people like that, but my partner and I are a bit more slow in how we approach travel. So usually what we do is we'll do a lot of research and we'll sort of make a list of the things that we know we want to do or that we know we want to see and the places within a country or destination that we know we want to get to Um, and then we go in knowing all of that without like strict parameters so we'll often just sort of plan as we're going Um, but because we've done all the upfront research we have it all there and we can plan out our days and our our travels just based on what we're feeling in that moment Um, so yeah i would say research is a big part of it now I do a lot of that before a trip. Um, another thing that I research always is sort of cultural practices for the places that I'm going. I try to take a lot of care in how I approach like packing for a trip. Um, for example, I was dressed in Morocco and there you should try, you should, and there you should dress more modestly, especially if you're a woman. And so that's something I took into account and I packed according to that. So I went mostly with things that cover my shoulders, cover my stomach, loose pants that cover my legs, um, just so that I would be respectful of the local culture. Um, so I'd say those are the main things that I do nowadays when it comes to like choosing a destination. I don't know. Often it's based on whatever flight is cheapest. This is actually probably my biggest budget travel hack for people is that you should let the destination choose you. Um, it's pretty rare that my partner and I are like, this year, we're going to go to this country. It's usually, okay, we have a list of a few places we know we want to go. Let's Google the flights for all of them. And whichever is the cheapest is the one we'll do. Or we, like, we're like we on email lists for flight deals. So for example, a couple years ago, we went to Jordan. It had not been on, on our radar at all. We just saw a flight deal that was so good that we were like, okay, we're doing it. That's that's our trip this fall. So yeah, a lot of the time, we just choose destinations based on um, what flights we can afford, which is rough these days, because flights are so expensive now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good hack. And I feel like it'd be super fun to be open to that spontaneity. Because if you are open to that, let a place choose you, then you open yourself up to experiences that you would never have had, if mm-hmm. you weren't like that flexible or open minded.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Cool. Um, speaking of cultures, when we travel, we're often, I feel like, swept up in the mystery and novelty of a new cultures. Um, and so I think this curiosity and desire to integrate oneself into a culture can be a good thing. But um, it does become detrimental, and it's known as cultural appropriation. And I read an article on your blog, Kina um, Travels, about cultural appropriation versus appreciation. So, yeah, I'd love to discuss that a bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I'll explain what it is first, just in case there's people who aren't sure. So cultural appropriation is when somebody adopts aspects of a culture that isn't their own. um, And it can become problematic and controversial when members of a dominant culture appropriate from a minority culture. Um, so for example, you see this a lot in North America, like a classic one is white people when they put, um, specific types of braids in their hair, which is appropriating from black culture. Um, another really good example that you see sometimes in North America is when non-indigenous people wear indigenous, um, clothing, but as a costume. Um, and that's where the appreciation part comes in wearing someone else's cultural clothing as a costume, um, it removes the meaning from that clothing in, in frankly, an, an offensive way. And it's very easy to fall into this when you're traveling, because we all know when you go abroad, like often, you'll see um, local cultural items, cultural clothing on sale. Um, and it's very tempting to buy it and wear it. And In some cases, it is okay, but in other cases, it's really not. I would say like the main issue you see is when it turns into a costume piece for people. Um, But I think it can be considered cultural appreciation as long as you take the time to really know and understand what the context and the history and the meaning behind an object or a piece of clothing is. Um, And when it comes to clothing, I I spoke with a researcher, Melissa Chan, on my own podcast about this. um, She studies cultural appropriation and she was saying, it's all about like the context in which you've acquired this thing and how you treat it. So she was saying, for example, if you're invited to wear a piece of cultural clothing and you're being told by by a person who is local to that culture, um, the meaning behind it, and you're learning about it, that's very different than buying something, like buying a sombrero while you're in Mexico and taking it home and wearing it on Halloween. Um, they're very different contexts and that's really what differentiates the two. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the best starting point, um, for avoiding cultural appropriation is to sort of like think about some questions whenever you're traveling. Um, so for example, like think, am I participating in a tradition or wearing traditional clothing out of honor or out of imitation? Um. You can ask yourself like, am I being invited to participate or am I taking this? Um, Oh, a good one to think about is, am I perpetuating a stereotype? Um, And then it's also good to think about like the situation you're in, is this a learning experience or are you using this culture as a costume? Um, So those are some good things to think about. I would say it's just about keeping these questions top of mind when you're traveling um, and considering them before you appropriate something.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Very good points. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, what are some other don'ts when traveling? Like how to not be that tourist? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. Man, I think hold on, let me back up. Oh, that's such a good question. I think the biggest thing is don't be the tourist that didn't do their research. Um, because it's gonna take away from the experience that you have. Um, Doing research is really like the starting point to have an experience that, you know, like leads to some learning while you're abroad and also makes for a more fulfilling and meaningful experience. Um, Just because it's like, it's good to know context, right? You don't wanna be traveling somewhere and have no idea what's going on or what the meaning behind like a cultural practice is. Um, And it also means like without research, you might miss out on experiences that you may have had there um had you known that they were something you could access or do Um, so i think that's a big one like always do your research and always do your research about cultures before you visit them Um, you don't want to be that ignorant tourist walking around like in shorts in a country where where that's not local practice Um, so it's good to be on top of that another thing i always tell people when it comes to like cultural practices and this is something my partner and i always do is we pay attention to how local people around us behave and how they dress, um, and we try to align with what we're seeing. Um, So for example, like when we were in Laos in Southeast Asia, um, a lot of the tourists in Southeast Asia wear shorts and like tank tops. And, you know, we had done that for the first few weeks because that's what all the other tourists were doing. And then one day I remember sitting in a cafe my partner looked at me and he was like, I noticed like no one wears shorts like lashing people don't wear shorts and from that day forward we were like okay we should probably wear like loose pants because that's what local people are doing and that's a way to just show like respect for them um so that's what we did moving forward and we always do that now when we travel we pay attention to how other people are behaving and how they're dressing um, to just align with that um other tourists don't I mean, don't go to another country just to eat in McDonald's. A lot of people say this, but it's true. Just don't do that. Um, Like I've mentioned a few times today already, it's really important to find ways to make sure that your money goes to the hands of local people and yeah, when you go to McDonald's, that's not what's happening. <laughs> so skip the Starbucks, skip the McDonald's, try to skip just all the the big chains. And that's like for hotels, for restaurants, for everything, wherever you can. Um, I know that's not always possible. Like, I have to admit, I have very severe food allergies. And in some situations, I have to eat fast food, because that's the only thing that I know is safe. Um, so this isn't like a blanket statement, but whenever you can try to just support the smaller businesses because those dollars will go further that way.
0: Yes, I 100,000% echo that. That's (laughs) probably one of my biggest pet peeves, honestly. And I know it's like not affecting me, but it does (laughs) bother me when I see, like I was just in Lisbon and there was McDonald's signs in every subway station and I'm like, but you're in another country. Yeah. They have this amazing cuisine that you could try. But instead, you're going for the hamburger you always get back home. Yeah. Like, what's the point? I feel like food is such a big part of traveling.
1: It is, for sure. Yeah. I will say I have had my moments where I'm just like, I just need to have a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I haven't always followed my own rule. When my partner and I were in India, we were there for two months. And about a month in, we were just like, we love Indian food. Like we make Indian food at home. We're obsessed with it. But after a month, we just, we really needed a hamburger. So we went to McDonald's and we got one because it was the only place you could go for one. Um. So sometimes you do need to break the rules, but for the most part, you should always try to support local.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely understand that. And it's like once in a while is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. If you need your McDonald's fix, like <laughs> I'm not going to, judge you too hard but it's like (laughs) who don't who refuse to get out of their comfort zone and try something new
1: Mm -hmm, absolutely
0: um so if you could tell your younger self your novice traveler self (laughs) one thing that you know now what would it be
1: oh that is such a good question i would tell my younger self that i won't ever regret any of my travels and I'm saying this because especially when I was younger I was very anxious all the time especially about money and sometimes I felt like I was making a mistake by spending so much of the little money that I had on travel Um, especially as I got older I became more self-conscious about it you know like I'm in my 30s now people around me have bought homes or having kids, doing all of that. And all of that has been delayed for me because I, I spent most of my 20s just blowing all the money I made on travel. Um, it was just such a priority for me. And I was really worried about that, especially throughout my 20s. I really worried that it would impact my career. That was a big thing for me. Um, yeah, so I thought I would regret it. And now, like I'm 33 now, I look back, and I don't regret any of it at all. Um, because I've been able to catch up in life, there's always a way to catch up. And I wouldn't take back those memories for anything. Um, I, I just, yeah, my partner and I, we talk all the time about our travels. And these are just like core memories from our 20s that we will hold on to for the rest of our lives. Um, and I know we're going to keep making those travel memories. And now that I'm older, I just know, like, I never need to regret it or think that I'm going to regret this trip. I need to just take every trip that I want to take because, yeah, I won't regret it.
0: Hmm. That was super comforting for me specifically to hear because I, <laughs> I'm hearing the same thing even now like from people around me, like you need to have maybe smarter financial priorities than travel. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think that I agree with you that experiences are so much more valuable at the end of the day than any kind of assets you have. Um, and we're on our, on our own timelines. Like, I don't really, I'm trying to learn the concept that, like, there's no such thing as being behind because we're all on our own paths, we're on our own journeys, and we have different dreams in life. And um, and so, yeah, I wouldn't consider you traveling being behind it all like that. I think that's so cool that you have all this experience. And I hope to be in the same position um, when I'm your age.
1: I hope you are too, because you won't regret it, do it. Spend all of your 20s traveling. (laughs) I'll also say like, especially when I talk to younger people, because um, there's a lot of like anxiety around career. So for example, like I graduated school and everyone was like, you have to get a job right now. Because if you don't, the rest of your career will be impacted. And I didn't listen, I was terrified, but I refused to listen and I went and I traveled anyways. I went and did a year long trip around Asia and then came home and it took me three weeks to get a job. And now I'm a couple years into my career and it has been totally fine. Um, I caught up. And so I think there's a lot of, like, social pressure to follow this, like, very specific path that, like, we've set out for or created for ourselves, like here, especially in North America, about, like, school, job, marriage, kids, like all of that. And like you say, you don't need to follow that. We're all on our own path and it will all work out for everyone just in the way that it should for them individually.
0: Yeah, beautifully said so three quick rapid fire questions uh what's your dream destination mongolia Ooh, okay Uh, most memorable meal you've had
1: oh definitely in japan i would say it's a little touristy but going to the um there's a place in tokyo where it's like a little computer and you punch in what you want to have and it comes out like on a little um on a little i don't know what it's called it comes out to you automatically, like robotically. And I just like got such a kick out of that. It was so much fun. And so I always think about that meal.
0: Sounds super high tech. (laughs) And then special place in your heart.
1: Oh my gosh, there's so many. Um, Italy is a special place in my heart. It's I met my partner abroad and he has family from Sicily. And so Sicily was one of the first places that we went together and we went a couple times visiting his family. And so I just feel a special warmness for Sicily and also the Netherlands. uh, My mom's side of the family is from there. So I have a lot of family there. I have lived there. Um, The Netherlands feels like home in a way to me. And so it's definitely got a special place in my heart as well.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, All right. So if you can leave your socials, where can we connect with you? I want everyone to turn into your content because it's so valuable. Oh,
1: thanks. Um, You can find me on uh, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. I don't really say anything on Twitter, but you can follow me there if you want. On all of those, I am Pina Travels, so at P-I-N-A Travels. And then my blog is pinatravels.org. And then there's also my podcast. Um, just look up Alpaca in My Bags in whatever podcast app you use. It will be there. It's totally free. And you can also find the podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Um, it's at Alpaca My Bags pod.
0: All right. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today, Erin. It was so lovely to talk.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for being here and listening to this episode. If you can take 10 seconds out of your day, please spread the travel love by following this podcast and giving it a rating. Or if there's anyone else in your life that has a case of wanderlust, it would mean so much if you shared this episode with them. You can find me sharing even more travel-related content on Instagram at God of Case of Wanderlust and on my personal Instagram at Z. I also have a travel blog for my extra passionate travelers out there, which can be found at God of Case of wanderlustcom and all of this
1: can be found in the show notes. <laughs>